Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, where we tackle the challenges of raising teenagers without the drama. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, parents of teens and tweens. Do you ever worry if your teen is truly ready to take on the world? As parents, we strive to equip our teens with the skills they need to thrive independently, but many of us worry that they won't learn to make wise decisions, regulate their emotions, or reach the necessary maturity needed to survive in the wild on their own. Fortunately, we have Kim Minch here to help us. She is a certified conscious parenting coach and founder of Real Life Parent Guide. Kim specializes in working with parents of emerging adults who are aged 18 to 25. She's the author of Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Herself, as well as a sought-after speaker on topics related to conscious parenting. Today, Kim is going to share her wisdom on nurturing independence and resilience in our teens paving the way for a successful launch into adulthood. Kim, welcome to the show. I am super excited to have this conversation, Dr. Cam. Thank you for inviting me to speak to your audience. I am thrilled. As I was telling you, I've been following you for a while and I love your content. Tell us for a second, what started you in this field and focusing on emerging adults particularly? Well, you know, when I started as a parent coach back in 2016, I really was working with parents of middle school and high school. I think because my own five kids at the time were middle school and, you know, kind of to their mid-20s. At this point, um, my youngest and my only daughter is 18 and my oldest son is 36. And through the magic of social media, as you mentioned, I, I started to share my own parenting struggle. I have gone through significant challenges with my oldest son. Um, and that really, my personal parenting experience is what led me back to school and back to then getting a certification in parent coaching and working with parents. Again, when I started, it was middle school, high school. But as I began to tell my story on social media, what was coming back at me were parents of 18 to 25, 29-year-olds, you know, 18 to the through the 20s. That's what kept coming back. And parents whose sons and daughters struggle with mental health issues and or often substance use issues, which is something that I literally walked through with my oldest son. So I now find myself coaching, being the coach for exactly what I needed back in 2008 when I was walking this journey with my own son. I love that. And it's like you've taken your own experience, learned and said, okay, I'm a few steps ahead of you. I can help you through this. And I know parents greatly appreciate that. What are some of the biggest things you see um, that kids that are emerging adults struggle with or their parents worry about? Um, I think mental health is probably the first thing. I think there's been an increase in, I think there were problems with anxiety and depression in young people prior to the pandemic, but I think that has exacerbated problems. Um, And I think we're just now beginning to see how big a problem it is. Uh, I think social media has an impact on our young adults. And I think it, I'm actually, as a mom, grateful my kids are, you know, 18 and older at this point. I worry about the younger generation of parents. And I think, I think we all knew that we had to keep tabs on social media and we had to, you know, keep time on it and whatnot. I, I worry about the fact that now we have parents who kind of grew up with social media now having children and their 
tendency to be so tuned into that and how they're not going to be able to be or they're not as tuned into their young children. So I worry, I worry about, I worry, I've, I've watched the evolution of c- computer time and social media from my 36 year old down to my 18 year old and the difference there. And I, I get concerned about kids younger, the younger generation um, now parenting kids coming in. So that's interesting, Kim, because we talk a lot about worrying about our kids being on it too much, but you're talking about the parents being on it too much that they no longer connect with their kids. Yeah. I, you know, like the moms who are nursing and looking at their phones and I'm not making a judgment call, please don't. Un- yeah. Like no. I'm make, making no judgment call here. I would probably have been the mom trying to get through target with three little kids handing out my phone or an iPad or whatever to try and get the job done. So it's so attractive and so easy, but we know this has an impact on our kids' brains. And so I, I, I'm i concerned about parents of, you know, younger children and how they will cope, but, but really want to reiterate the message that, you know, we want to have our kids be involved in things that involve, you know, that are face-to-face. Because one of the biggest things that young adults are struggling with is hiding. They don't want to grow up. And they're hiding at home. They're hiding in gaming. They're literally hiding in their rooms. And we have to be very conscious of the fact that they're, again, they they don't necessarily trust the world at times. And they're afraid. They don't know what their place is in it. And I think that is affected by the social media that they've been um, accustomed to watching. Yeah. So parents are struggling with this because... Everyone I've talked to wants their kids off their phones. They want them outside. They want them integrating. But it causes so many fights and arguments, and sometimes it's just not worth it anymore because now we're creating this tension. So what do you recommend in terms of helping our kids develop those skills when they're younger so we're not sending them out there without them? Right. I think parents need to be very conscious from the beginning in terms of their son's or daughter's computer use. And it's a very slippery slope, right? You've got a five-year-old who you need to keep entertained. So maybe you can have a quiet dinner, you know, I, and it just rolls into something. But the other thing that parents have to be okay with is their kids' big feelings about getting off of a device, right? Um, they need to be able to tolerate that. They are, you know, I'm, I'm the person who really, really is invested in having parents develop a connection with their kids, not to be disconnected. On the other hand, there is a place for parents to set structure. There is definitely, it's important. You are dealing with a child's brain that is not fully developed. So you have to, at times, step in. And yes, it takes patience. And yes, it takes additional time. But that's what's needed. And that's part of being a parent. Yeah. So you talk a lot about parenting with your kids rather than hovering over them. I yes. probably phrased that incorrectly. What does Explain that and what that means. Right. Okay. So for generations, we've had what's called the dominant parenting paradigm, where parent is here, child is here. Yeah. And this no longer works. Our, I mean, our kids fight against this. So mm-hmm. when I say parenting with, I mean, 
I mean, come up alongside of your son or daughter, involve them in the solution to whatever the problem is. And this can be done really, I mean, progressively starting from elementary through middle and certainly into high school. I really talk with parents about define the problem together. And then how can we work on this as a solution together? Instead of parents, because what happens is parents have a 20-year-old living at home and they don't want to, um, they, they don't want to come home on time. They don't want, they want to do their own thing, but the parents are paying for everything, right? And so you've got this clash. Well, what's the consequence for a 20-year-old who won't come home on time? What's the consequence for a 20-year-old who smokes pot in my house? This is, this is a way that we were taught to parent. So, but when you get to a certain point, you really realize that unless you're going to kick the kid out of the house, there's really no consequence. So this is about parents shifting their idea of setting boundaries from that of around their kid's behavior to deciding for themselves, what are my personal boundaries? Now that I have this young adult in my home, setting personal boundaries for themselves, which a lot of moms do not feel comfortable doing. They don't. They feel that it's selfish. They feel guilty about the way they parented in the past. They just, but they're also exhausted. They're also out of ideas and exhausted. So shifting the way the boundaries look. And then again, parenting with means inviting them into the solution to the problem. Parents, where can you be flexible? Where can you give your son or daughter choice and autonomy in their lives to figure themselves out? And what's a non-negotiable? A non-negotiable may be underage drinking or drug use. Everyone's values are a little bit different. Um, So deciding the one or two non-negotiables, really, it's not 10 non-negotiables. It's really, it really is about being very conscious of what is something that you cannot be flexible on. And generally that's something to do with their health and safety. Yeah. And then where can you give them choice and latitude in their lives? progressively as they go through middle school and high school. I think when you're talking about setting your own personal boundaries, which is is essential because we can't control other people's behavior, even our kids, right? We've got to be able to value our own space. But how do we start doing that when our kids are younger? I think there's this confusion of being having authority and having control. What is the difference between those two? Right. Well, and like I said, we were raised with our parents were kind of in control, right? And there were punishments and and whatnot. And I'm not saying we need to throw all that out the window and be your kid's friend. That is the last thing I'm saying. I am saying you can be in relationship with your kids while also giving them the structure that they need because they don't have the brain development. We know that goes, you know, that progresses until at least the mid 20s. So, it's, it's the parent working on themselves, working on their own anxiety, their own insecurities, so that they're not projecting that into their kids. They're allowing their kids to become who they're meant to become, not who they want or need them to become for themselves. That is a very big one and a very hard one for parents to accept. Absolutely. What- Let's dig in because you talked about addiction. And so I really want to go there because I think that's something that a lot of parents worry about, whether it's their tech use, it's drinking, it's drugs, whatever it is. Like this is a a 
biggest, big, big fear of parents. Yeah. So we see our kids getting addicted and let's just say the phone because that's the most obvious, but I, you know, I see marijuana mm-hmm. is a big one too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How do we set that boundary when our kids are really resistant to it? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think first and foremost, the the greatest chance of parents having an impact when it comes to addictive things like gaming or drugs and alcohol is the quality of the relationship they're building with them. So when when parents get to a place where the only conversation is about what their kid's not doing or how they're not performing or the bad choices they're making, this gets to be this gets to be a cat and mouse game of like you do this, you put this rule in place, I'm going to find a way to do it anyway. I mean, I grew up like that as a teenager and it was not pretty. So I intentionally wanted to continue to build a relationship with my kids while also again very few things were non-negotiable. The experience with my oldest son and walking with him through addiction when he was 20 years old really changed the way I parented and and was very conscious about my younger kids. You know, again, the one non-negotiable was underage drinking and alcohol or drinking and, and drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just, that was, and and my kids had seen enough of the challenge that went on with my son that the four other ones, knock on wood, my youngest still being 18, have made choices not to go against. And I just have a, I have a good, I have a good rapport with them. It's a mutually respectful relationship. It has everything to do with building mutual respect. I respect them as mm-hmm. much as they respect me. I parents who say my kid has to respect me, that no they don't. Mm-mm. You need to demonstrate, you need to be the person that you want your child to become and that is a person who respects their autonomy, who respects them. It's so important um Kim and you you mentioned this respect and I hear that a lot like they they need to respect me, they need to listen to me but we don't respect or listen to them. And so we're modeling disrespect, first of all, right? And respect isn't demanded. It's not something you can force. It's something that is felt. So parents, and I see parents when they're in this moment of they're in frantic mode, like I'm seeing my kid get addicted. I'm seeing they're doing something wrong. And now I'm in panic mode. I'm just going to start laying down the law because I got to stop this. And it's very hard for parents to understand or to, to step back because it's we're fear-based, right? To say, I need to build a connection before I can do anything because mm-hmm. we want to just fix it now, but we need that connection. Right. So what do parents do when they're, they're seeing this and they don't have that connection yet? How do we start building that? They've got to be somewhat vulnerable, to be honest, and just be honest and just be like, you know what? In the past, I I would have handled it this way. And I am, I love you and I'm concerned about your future. And I know I don't have any control because you are going to make choices. I mean, they're going to find a way, right? I want to help you love yourself enough to make healthy choices. I think that was one of the most difficult things for me as a mother as in walk, watching my son walk through his addiction to alcohol was it was self-medication. And it hurt me so much to know that he was he didn't didn't love or care enough about himself to take care of himself that he wanted to obliterate 
he wanted to be blackout, whatever he was going through that I'm sure as a parent, I probably contributed to. And this is where parents get stuck too. They get stuck in like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst parent or, you know, I, I feel guilty. And okay, this doesn't serve you. This doesn't serve your kid. Right. So enough with the guilt about what you should or shouldn't have done. Find some compassion for yourself and ask yourself, what can I do now? What can I do that is productive in this moment? And that might be that you need to rebuild this relationship before you have any influence over the choices that your son or daughter is making in terms of their alcohol or drug use or gaming use. Yeah. It, it, it's a hard thing for parents to accept because we just, our intention is to help. Our intention is to keep them safe. And so everything in us is doing that. But in order to do that, we've got to step back and, right. and build that relationship. What are some other things? Because I think making good choices is something that parents are very worried about. You know, we see our kids and they're not, they're playing games instead of studying. They are talking to their friends and they're not, they're not doing their chores. And there's so many things we're going, oh my gosh, my child has no idea of being responsible. And I need to go do everything for them in order to get them through because I need to at least get them to the next stage. And I've seen parents do this. Like I need to at least get them into the right college and then they'll be okay. What do you say to parents that are trying to make sure their kids don't make these mistakes now? Well, and I I think it is about a lack of accountability, you know, not there, there is, I see a problem with parents not teaching accountability, doing for them because they've beat their head against the wall, asking their kid to do it a hundred times. And they just give up. And especially moms will just do it for them. But then you, then you get that kid to that college. Maybe you do, maybe you do get that kid to that college and then they're not prepared and they fail because what are you going to do? Follow them to college. And then, you know, I mean, that's just, there, there comes a point at which you have to release that. And if you've done too much in the process, your kid's going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, but that doesn't mean they can't recover. It means parents really just needing to quell their own anxiety and allow their kid to become who they're meant to become. Parents have a difficult time watching their kid's potential be wasted. I know. It's a hard one, isn't it? And you know what? Here's the thing. Here, I'm going to give you an example of my own life. I had, I went to college freshman year. I didn't really care about going to college. I was a really not good private school, high school student. I managed to graduate by the skin of my teeth, got into college, went to college because that's what everybody was doing. And I ended up pregnant by fresh by Christmas break. And so the last half of my freshman year, I was living in a dorm pregnant, um, And my parents, you know, and then, I mean, first of all, the disappointment there, right? They didn't anticipate I was their oldest child. So I guess, you know, and my life took a big turn at that point. Um, And so it took me several years. I was in my mid-30s, really, before I ended up going back to school and finishing my degree. And then I knew what I wanted. And then I aced everything. And so I guess what I want to say to parents, too, is that this idea we have to go from this to this to this immediately is not necessarily the case. And I grew as a human being so much from the experience of being a mom at 18. Now, does any parent want that for their kid? Of course not. 
Right. But, you know, that's not always, but things don't always happen the way <laughs> you want them to happen. I think that's so important, Kim, to point out, though, because we have these clear kind of visions of what our kids are going to do. And a lot of times it's the visions we had for ourselves that weren't able to do, and now we want our kids to do it, right? We're like, we want our kids to have a better life, and this is the life that is better. And we forget that it's their life, not ours, and we're there to support them in their life which we don't have any say over because it's not our life. And so you have kids that get pregnant at 18 or try drugs or do things or drop out of school. And it's not our job to change that. It's our job to parent them through it, right? Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. And I mean, parents then immediately like go to, but then I'm financially responsible for this and I'm not going to. And that's, that's, so there's this balance between, allowing to them to become who they're meant to become and evolve through things that you may not want them to have to live through consequences of their natural consequences of their actions. However, you are there with them to help support them where they're at and to incrementally allow or incrementally uh, shift the responsibility, not only to their life physically, but financially to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So you may have to like my parents did co-sign on a loan for a car for me because I at one point absolutely could not have lived without a car. I was making the payments on it, but I needed something. So at there are times when parents, they need to be that support system, but not to do for their kids. Enabling is when we um, do something for someone that they can and should be doing for themselves. So we can yeah. help on occasion. It's enabling which is a pattern of behavior, and it only goes one way, that's when the problem is. I think that enabling, too, when our kids get older is more tempting because we still want to be wanted and needed. And so when our kids offer us this opportunity to be wanted and needed, and you're like, oh, um, it's hard to say, turn it down, right? Yeah. But it's not doing them any favors. That's right. It's not. And parents... There's a point at which they do realize that, but often it's, you know, their kids 26 years old, smoking weed all day, living in their house, not working. And the parents, they're tired at that point, to be honest, because they've been doing so much themselves. And I see a really big issue with parents lacking confidence in themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And confidence does not mean control, right? We think, because we come from this, you know, we were, some of us more controlled than others. Some of us spent more time performing for love and acceptance from our parents, right? And at this point, we're shifting to, I, you came through me or you came to me through adoption, but I'm not, you're not vetted to me. Like, you know, you're not, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to help guide you, but it's you that are charting the course, Correct. not me. Not me. That's right. They're not us. They're not an extension right. of us. And I think that's a hard thing to do too, because I think parents also, another thing that really gets us tripped up is we see them as a reflection of us. Yes. So if they're having issues or, you know, they're doing things that we don't approve of, we feel like that reflects on our ability as a parent and our ability as a person. And that feels bad. Um, so how do you how do you help parents address that feeling of 
oh my gosh, this kid is representing me and that's not how I want to be represented. Well, I think it's a parent being emotionally mature enough to realize that they are not, it's really the ego, right? They're, they're like so attached to these and, and parenting. So the title of my book is called Becoming Me While Raising You. And I truly believe that that is what encapsulate what parenting means is growing ourselves up as we're raising and guiding these kids who are not ours to own. They are, they, they, they're our greatest teachers, quite frankly. Oh yeah. And they can awaken us in so many ways. And when you're triggered as a parent, the question you need to ask yourself is what's going on for me? Why am I so triggered in this? It's not about your kid and their behavior because they're just acting like a kid. That's right. (laughs) They're They're acting like a human. (laughs) Yeah, they're just, yeah. And and so this is about you. So I will tell parents, you know, and and I'll I'll ask them, they'll tell me a situation and I'll say, is that about him or is it about you? Yeah. And actually it's about both of them, right? Mm -hmm. It's about guiding this kid who in whatever he needs at the moment, but then also reflecting back on yourself and saying, what, you know, why is this so triggering? Why is this kid so triggering to me? There tends to be, it's funny because I work with so many families where it's like, well, this kid is totally excelling and did, you know, and then this one's a complete opposite. This is our like problem child. Right. Oh, there's always a problem child, which is a great way to grow up with that title. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, I'm the problem child. I I was the problem child, right? So yeah, that's that's a good feeling. (laughs) Me too. I was too. And you know what? I'm, you know, it taught me a lot and it it helped me actually as a parent as well. So parents learning how to self-reflect and not being afraid to do that. The reason I think we have adults who are fearful of self-reflecting or who don't want to take that time to do it is because of the shame that they were probably parented with growing up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Because I think what's important to pull from that too is we say a lot of times, well, this is how I was raised and I turned out okay. I hear that argument a lot. This is how I raised, I was turned out okay. And I'm like, "Um, did you? I mean, it's not, we're we're all dealing with that shame and the insecurities and a lot of those things, which we want to prevent in our kids. And so I think that that argument is, is a tough one. Yeah, usually parents who say that are the ones that really, really can't look within. And it's not about throwing our own parents under the bus. I have I have really, you know, I truly believe, and you know, I have been bashed on at on social media for saying this at times, but I absolutely I, I can't on social media? Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> so much yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um so you know th- that we do the best we can with what we know and based on our life experience, unless and until we take the time to look within or take the time to educate ourselves yeah. outside of ourselves. Now, the coaching that I do with parents, parents tend to they lack confidence because they're always looking for the answer on the outside. They are, somebody has, and and let's, I mean, I do videos every day that, you know, but when I'm coaching parents, yes, I've learned a lot. And I, as a personal, both as a parent personally, and also, you know, I continue to educate myself on this stage of parenting, but 
truly, I want parents to work on using their intuition, which I believe no one knows your kid like you do. And so, but parents become disconnected by the, because of the anxious chatter, because of the worries, their kids not keeping up, they're, you know, not as good as their peers, they're all the things, there's that anxious chatter and they get disconnected from themselves and they're not parenting from their intuition. Yeah. They're always looking for somebody else has the answer. And that's not necessarily the case. So a lot of times when I'm working with parents, I help them understand and reconnect to their intuition so that they're not anxious and doubting themselves all the time. Mm. Yeah. That's a big one. I, I think a lot of parents, I see parent from fear too. There's just so much fear that something's going to happen to my kid or someone's going to think badly of my kid or badly of me. And we don't have control of any of that. Mm -hmm. So when we parent to prevent that from happening, there's no way to prevent that from happening. So we're left scrambling rather than focusing on what our child needs from us mm -hmm. to, in order to be who they truly are. And that, right. that's and what we do control, which is ourselves and our response and our, our intention, you know, being conscious and intentional in the way that we're showing up into the parent-child relationship. That's what we control. It is. And, and I hear a lot of parents say, well, once they respect me, then I will respect them back. Or once they act maturely, then I'll treat them as an adult. And, and that, that's a struggle. <laughs> well, and that's because that's the way we were raised. For generations, we've had this. And now we are looking at, and, and younger millennial parents are, are, you know, they're doing things differently. And I, I think that, I don't I hate the term gentle parenting. I really hate that term because I think it just is such a misnomer. I think, like, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like let's just hat. throw our hands up and, you know, yeah. let the kids rule the world. And that's yeah. not what we're no, talking about. Either. You can actually put the structure in place that's needed and also have a mutually respectful relationship with your kids. And that is what we're looking for, to validate their feelings, to allow so many parents, the reason they can't... Um, handle their kids' big feelings like frustration, anger, sadness, fear, is because that wasn't tolerated when they were little. And so it's super uncomfortable for parents to see their kids or to have that come back at them. And so they squash it or they'll ignore it. And really, if we just acknowledge that they're feeling bad, you know, like, I get it. I get that you're pissed that I turned off the internet tonight. I get it. And it's okay. I'm still going to do it <laughs> yeah. I, because because you need your sleep, and we're not going to let you play games all night. It's just not okay. Yeah, I, and I think that that is so true. They try to squash it really fast, um, and we we have this belief that our kids need to be happy all the time. And that I've, I've had teens tell me I'm exhausted trying to pretend I'm happy in front of my parents, so they'll oh. leave me alone. Right. They're just, yeah. it's, we have, they and are starting. How sad is that? Yeah. That's so sad. And it's exhausting. It, I, anyone who's had to like put a mask on and pretend, you know, it's exhausting to do that. It's, it's a shame to think that our kids would feel that they had to do that for their parents. Yeah. I, I think it's, Pretty, I've, it's pretty common from what I've seen too, because parents are so anxious about their kids being anxious. And I, I get it. We want our kids to be okay. And I think, again, there's so much fear. 
Kim, before we go, what is one most important takeaway that you want parents to have from this episode? Just one. (laughs) I know. Okay. You can have three. What are three? Well, I can come up with at least two. One, continue to educate yourself on whatever stage of parenting you are in and whatever one is next. So parents, podcasts, books, whatever. That is not to say the expert has the answer outside of you. It is to say, know what's developmentally appropriate so that you see red flags or that just get a sense of what the what you're supposed to, what you're, what parenting a 20 year old is supposed to look like. Get a sense of what parenting a 16, 17 year old is meant to look like um, and when what your role is. So continue to educate yourself is number one. Number two, please take care of yourself. Please take care of your emotional well-being because your teens will not come to you with their challenges if they think and know your plate is full. Yeah. And they will navigate things alone or they will look to their peers and you don't want another 17-year-old giving your 17-year-old advice about something big like birth control or drugs or you know what I mean? So parents, it is not selfish to take care of yourself. In fact, it's the best gift you can give to your kids. Uh, That's a hard one for parents, I think particularly moms, to accept because we put a lot of pride in stretching ourselves too thin and giving everything to others and putting ourselves last. But you're right. A lot of kids won't go to their parents because they don't want to bother them or add more stress because they already see how stressed they are. So they hide that information from them, not because they don't trust them, but because they don't want to bother them. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really, and we're sending the message that you need to push yourself and stretch yourself thin and not take care of yourself. Right. What are, what are you messaging? What are you, what are you modeling for your kids when you don't take care of yourself? So think about it that way. If you can't do it for you, do it for them. Um, and then the last thing I would love to, to leave your listeners with is a, is a quote that is the last page of my book. And I think it really sums up kind of, um, this whole idea of what parenting is about. And Mm -hmm. that is our children come through us, not for us except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey in an effort to grow us up along the way. Ooh, I love that. That is That needs to soak in. That's beautiful. It's yeah. <laughs> it is deep. I love deep stuff. That's great. Kim, how can people find you? You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Kim Minch, Parent Coach. Minch is M-U-E-N-C-H. And my website is reallifeparentguide.com. And you have a something free on there for people too, right? I do. I have a download on five tips for their relationship with your older kids. And shortly, it'll be something coming on there about setting boundaries. So that whole, I mean, that's probably the one of two big things that I work with parents on, the shift in how to set boundaries and how to do that for themselves. Yeah, big, big. That's important. Kim, thank you so much. I'm so grateful you could join us. Thanks, Dr. Cam. Loved talking with you. Oh, me too. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see.
And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Don't forget to hit follow so you don't miss a single episode and share the love by passing this on to a friend. Until next time, keep making a positive impact in your teen's life.